Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Good to be with you. Merry Christmas. My name's Ethan Magnus. I'm one of the ministers here. If we haven't met before, I am glad you're here today. It is good to worship with you today. I want to say hello to my friends worshiping online and especially those worshiping down in the CLC, giving us just a little bit more elbow room up here. We need it. Thank you uh, for worshiping down there. We're glad you're with us today. I love Christmas. The whole place looks so gorgeous. We had hundreds of people help decorate this year. Thank you for all that work. If you get a chance, find every corner of the building. You'll see something beautiful everywhere you go. Really appreciate all the work that they put into that. It's a great season. So much stuff going on. Uh, our, uh, the finals study party for our college age group is tonight. So that's going to be fun. Show up for that. We've got Christmas parties everywhere you look. Uh, oh, and it's also, it's the season of our end of the year offering. I love the way we do our end of the year offering. Um, you know, we've been doing this for a bunch of years now. Um, and, you know, like, like most groups, our, our normal budget depends on a strong uh, December. And we believe in the mission of our church and believe that investing in God's church is investing in God's work in the world. And it's worth investing in. And we also know that it's so easy for us to kind of, with our finances, get inwardly focused. And that can even happen to a church, that you kind of get thinking about all your money needs to kind of be for you. And, that, and we want to make sure that never happens to us. And so we do this thing every December that I love, and we just say, in December, uh, even while we know it needs to be a strong giving month for our core mission, we want to make sure that we stay focused on what's happening beyond our four walls. So for the month of December, we call it our end of year offering, 20% of everything that's given before it goes to our budget is going right out the door. And I love the projects we've identified this year. Uh, we're going to be supporting the Christian Evangelical Fellowship in India. Uh, this is a church planning ministry that we've been partnered with for decades. They are a wildly effective ministry planting churches throughout uh, the nation of India. The funds we're going to use this year are designed a bunch of churches that have been planted and are going and effective, um, but they need to buy the property on which they meet so that they can kind of be stable and have a permanent home. And we're going to use some of our uh, end of year offering for that. We're also going to support our SEND fund, uh, which is the fund we use to train the next generation of ministers through internships and residencies. Uh, we're going to be working, uh, giving some uh, support to Habitat for Humanity. They found a piece of property. Uh, they've got a lady named Amy who needs a house. And so we're going to partner with a few other churches uh, to build Amy a house next year. And those funds will go to that. And then the last portion of our interior offering will go to Brothers Keeper. Brothers Keeper is a local ministry here in Johnson City uh, that provides education and enrichment for adults with intellectual disabilities. And the need for their services has grown in recent years. They're trying to care for more people, and so they need more allies to come alongside them and support them. And we're going to do that through our end-of-year offering as well. And so I love getting to see what God always does through our generosity in December. I'm also super excited about the series we're in. It's called Introducing, and the goal of this series is to use the Christmas story to reintroduce us to Jesus. Uh, John reminded us last week of that phrase we use sometimes where we say, they need no introduction. You know, about a person who is so famous and so well-known that you don't have to introduce them. Everybody knows who they are. And it would be easy to get that idea about Jesus. It's kind of like, oh, we know who Jesus is. 
In fact, some of you have already done that. You heard that we're going to be introducing Jesus, and you thought to yourself, oh, good, somebody else needs to hear that. Somebody else needs to be introduced to Jesus because you think you've got Jesus all figured out. But, but Jesus is actually the kind of person who we always need to be reintroduced to. Now, see, I'm familiar with that experience because every person is the kind of person I need to be reintroduced to. I don't know about you, but I am so terrible with names. It is a serious and profound professional liability how bad I am with names. You know, there are people who think God hates them because I can't remember their name. And, it, and I just can't. I, I'm terrible with names. Um, it's why uh, my, my favorite, we have, a, we have a ton of college students who attend this church, but probably my favorite one is a kid named Sam Kiker. And what I love about Sam is that every time I see him, he introduces himself to me. Every time. Like, hey, I'm Sam Kiker and we met before and I love it. And I even know his name because he does it. He has introduced himself to me 50 times, and I love it uh, because probably, I don't even know how he started doing it. Probably he started it because I did forget his name. Um, but, but that habit of intentionally reintroducing ourselves, that is a habit we need to develop with Jesus. Never assuming we've got Jesus all figured out. Always asking God's word and God's spirit to remind us who Jesus is. As we started prepping for this series, we started looking throughout God's word at the different places where Jesus is introduced. And, and, and we, we, you know, we, we knew we'd find a bunch, but I was shocked. We didn't find five or ten. We found, found 50, 60, 70, and we eventually just quit looking. Because all over the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New, in the prophetic texts and the histories, in the Gospels and the letters and the apocalyptic texts, all over the Bible, we find places where they stop to introduce us to Jesus. Because God and God's Word wants us to know who Jesus is. Last week, John kicked us off with the introduction of Jesus to Mary. When the angels say he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is Luke chapter 1, the, the Christmas story. And the angel says, Mary, you need to know who this baby is. I want to introduce you to your coming son. He is the king. He is the king that we have been waiting for. And this is good news because he has come to defeat all the other evil kings, all the other foolish kings, all the other incompetent kings that seek to reign over our world and only damage it further. But this good news that Jesus is king, it's also disruptive news. Because this king, Jesus, expects to reign. He expects to be in charge. He expects to reign over every other earthly king. In fact, one of his names is the king of kings. He's in charge of the other kings. He expects for his kingdom to be more important than every other earthly nation. For every loyalty that we ever have in life to be secondary to our loyalty to him. Even this king declares that even our loyalty to ourselves 
is second to our loyalty to the King Jesus. Some would like to say, we, we like to say things like this. We say, I'm a Christian because I believe certain things. But obviously, I'm in charge of my own life. I mean, I believe the things that Christians are supposed to believe, but I'm in charge of my life. I'm in charge of my work life or my home life or my relationships. I mean, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in charge. And when we try to say that, we say, oh, yeah, sure, I go to church and I believe the right things, but ultimately I'm in charge of my life. When we try to say that, Jesus says to us, we need to be reintroduced. I think you forgot who I was. I think you didn't pay attention when we were introduced. I am the king. We read the introduction of Jesus in Colossians chapter 1. It says he is before all things. All things that were created were created through him and by him and for him. He is before all things. He is in all things. He is over all things. And Jesus says, so if you are my follower then I am your king. When we study the kingship, the lordship of Jesus, we learn how our lives are supposed to work. Our lives are supposed to be lived under the reign of Christ. And the reign of Christ is for our goodness and our blessing and we are most free and most whole when we live our lives according to Christ's command. Not just avoiding a list of sins, but actually asking God to direct our steps and lead them in paths of wholeness and righteousness. Also, when we consider the kingship of Jesus, we learn how the world is supposed to work. Jesus says that when I reign, when my reign is finally complete, in my kingdom there will be no more death, or dying, or grief, or sadness. No more terrorist attack, or bombs that fly. No drug addiction, cancer, loss, or pain. When we consider the kingship of Jesus, and what his reign could look like in our lives, and what his reign would look like in the world, it reveals to us the brokenness of our world. We see, this is what Jesus' reign would look like, and this is the world we actually live in. The kingship of Jesus and the parameters of his reign reveal how broken the world is. And some of that brokenness surprises us. When we hear what Jesus wants for our life, Maybe we respond like this. We say, oh, I didn't know. I, I didn't know that's what the reign of God would look like in my life. We're surprised by some of the ways we're broken. But honestly, most of the brokenness revealed by the lordship of Jesus doesn't surprise us. Instead, we say, I know I know the world is broken. I, I know I'm broken. I know everything's broken. 
In fact, we'd only just say no. We're actually sort of, we were sort of like, God, I was actually a little bit worried you didn't know. Because I know how broken things are. You know, and my, my kid's struggling or my mom is sick or uh, I'm a little broken. I, I know, God. I know. And when we're made aware, when we are aware of the brokenness of the world, we need to be reintroduced to Jesus. We need to go back to the Christmas story and meet Jesus again. The Christmas story in Matthew, like the Christmas story in Luke, starts with an introduction of Jesus. This time to Joseph. Matthew 1.18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, but he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. See, Joseph knew about the brokenness of the world. He's clearly been betrayed by his beloved. They were engaged to be married, and, and yet she's pregnant, and it's not his baby. Joseph, confronted with the brokenness of the world, needs to meet Jesus. After he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then the angel introduces him to his son. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. That's what we do when we introduce somebody, right? We tell them their name. That's how you, that's kind of how, where you start, right? That's where the angel starts. You need to know the name of the son she will soon give birth to, Joseph. We're going to call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's what the name Jesus means. God saves. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Last week, when Jesus was introduced to Mary, we learned that Jesus was the promised king. And in this second introduction, we learned two mysteries about this king who reigns over all creation. And we learn how God responds to the brokenness and rebellion in our world. The first mystery we learn about this king is the mystery of the incarnation. God in the flesh. The mystery of God with us. And this is good news. 
Because a king who is absent, no matter how kingly they might be, does us no good. Right? I mean, no matter how good the king might be, no matter how sovereign and complete and whole his reign might be, is if, if he is off somewhere else, fighting some other war, defending some other people, caring for some other nation, well, that does us no good. An absent king, no matter how good, is good for nothing. This name, Emmanuel, is a reminder of the prophecy from Isaiah chapter 7. It's a curious thing, though. The Isaiah 7 prophecy, they all assumed, had already been fulfilled. In Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah says there'll be a baby, he'll be called Emmanuel, and God will defeat the enemy at your gates. And, and sure enough, God did defeat the enemy at their gates. They all assumed that that prophecy had already come true. God was with us. God won the war. That's, that's what it meant. But now, the Emmanuel, God with us prophecy, is going to be fulfilled in a way that no one expected. When the Gospel of John introduces us to Jesus, another introduction of Jesus. This fulfillment of the God with us prophecy is explained. John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That's quite an introduction, right? This word is, was with God. This word is God. Everything made through him. And then in verse, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. It's the, that made his dwelling, I love, it's the word for setting up a tent. The word became flesh and set up his tent among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about. I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And out of his fullness we have received grace in place of the grace we already had. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This prophecy that for centuries they thought was complete, they discover was only partially fulfilled, and now it reaches its full fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. And that's the kind of king we need. A powerful king is only good to have if that powerful king is present to save and to reign and to rule. But of course, a present king is only good if the king is good. 
right? Even a present king can be an unwanted force if the king isn't good. Our world is filled with tyrants, and tyrants are very present. Which leads us to the next mystery of the introduction Joseph receives. The mystery of a king who rules and rescues. Who judges and forgives. Joseph is told, you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. An absent king is useless, but there is something worse than an absent king. There is something worse than an absent king, and that would be an evil king. A king who comes with judgment and the armies to make good on their threat. And some of you fear that the presence of Jesus is for you the presence of judgment in your life. And so you need to be reintroduced to who Jesus is. To the reality that Jesus has come to save us. In Jewish poetry, the king was often poetically called the Lion of Judah. We see this show up in, uh, in the Psalms and some of the prophetic writing. That it, that they would, in their poetry, call their king the Lion of Judah. And, and this same term gets applied to Jesus. Jesus, who is the king of the kingdom God is establishing. We, we see this same terminology applied in Christian poetry and in, in, in places even in the Bible. That Jesus is called the Lion of Judah. But if Jesus was only a lion, we would be the first to be afraid. For see, we know about the brokenness in the world. And we know that the brokenness of the world is in us. That we are the ones where our natural state is as enemies against the very way God intends the world to function. We are the rebels against the kingdom God is establishing. And, and if Jesus is only a lion, I suspect I would be his first victim. But God's word introduces us to a king that is more than just a lion. In Christian poetry throughout the Bible and the years to follow, that image of Jesus as a lion is always paired with another image. Revelation chapter 5 is another introduction of Jesus. That's this whole series. We're going to look at all these texts that introduce Jesus Revelation is a curious book. Uh, Revelation records a series of visions that a guy named John had. He says these are visions of the image of the likeness of the glory of God. So he's very clear to say these are just visions. You know, I don't know, it's really blurry, but, but the visions of the likeness of the image of the glory of God, he says. And in Revelation chapter 5, he has a vision 
um, where God is on a throne with a scroll. And this scroll represents the future of God unfolding. It represents God accomplishing what God intends to accomplish in creation. The finishing of God's good plan. And you'll see about halfway through the story, we get introduced to Jesus. Revelation chapter 5 verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? Who is worthy to unfold the work of God to complete God's good plan for the world? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look in it. I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. But then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Look, the the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. He says, the king, this is, this is the king, right? The lion of the tribe of Judah, the king is here. God has sent a king to defeat our enemies and establish justice and bring about the kingdom of God in our lives and in all of creation. Good news, he can open the scroll. He tells him to look, look at the lion. And so he does. And look how he describes what he sees. And then I saw a lamb. The elder says, turn and look at the lion. And he says, and then I saw a lamb. It looked like it had been killed. Just picture what a dead lamb would look like. As he says, then I saw a lamb. It looked like somebody killed it. Standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four, right where God was just a second ago, five verses up, God was there. Standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, when which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. And the lamb went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense. This is why you know this is just a vision, because you should never try to play a harp while holding a bowl of incense, okay? Do not try that at home. You will ruin your harp and spill the incense, okay? This is a vision. It's a vision. It's a vision. The bowls of incense are the prayers of God's people, and the harps were so they could sing a new song. And they sing that song, and they say, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open up its seals. How did the Lion of Judah prove his worthiness? Because you were slain like a lamb. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. 
this text is an introduction of Jesus in the heavenly realms. He is the king who is present, the lion of Judah who comes to destroy all those enemies who seek to destroy us. And he is the lamb who was slain. Jesus has a preferred approach for defeating rebels against the kingdom of God. I love this about Jesus. He has a preferred approach for defeating rebels against the kingdom of God. He prefers to die for them and heal them and restore them so that they might be citizens. This is how he is establishing his kingdom. Never lose sight of the shock of that, that there is a king who seeks to establish his kingdom by dying for the very ones who rebelled against his reign. This is amazing. This is our God. This is why he needed a name like Jesus. God saves. They keep singing, verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Get to know this Lamb, they say. Be introduced to this one, the only one who is worthy to usher in God's intended future. And we are the ones who need to be reintroduced to Jesus again and again and again. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad we get to be together to be introduced to Jesus again. For he is as he always has been. Our need to be reintroduced to Jesus isn't because Jesus has changed. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we are a forgetful people. Just like I forget people's names. We forget who Jesus is. For his stature has not changed. He is still, just as he was introduced to Mary, he is the long-awaited king. And for you who desire to be a follower of Christ, his expectation is that he would be king of your life. That's just, that's his stature has not changed. That's the nature of our relationship with Christ is that he is Lord of your life. But you also need to know his name has not changed. He is Jesus. God saves And by his blood, he has purchased persons from every tribe and language and people and nation so that they might be a part of the eternal, restored kingdom of God. The way Jesus intends to respond to your rebellion, to your brokenness, to your sin, to your shortcoming, his intended response is to rescue you. He is Jesus, and he is Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us in our doubt and our pain. He is with us in our skepticism and our questions. 
He is present with us in times of loss and heartache. He is near those who grieve and suffer. In rejoicing and weeping, no one is more present than God with us. Jesus, God saves. We have a simple tradition here at FCC that um, serves to remind us of that truth. Every year, um, on one Sunday in December, it's this Sunday this year, we have a team that is prepared to make ornaments as a way to remember that God is with us in all our grief and suffering. We just make ornaments. We'll make one for you. You can put up on your tree or somewhere. Uh, maybe you're grieving a loss this year. Maybe someone has passed away, and it's just hard to do Christmas without them. Well, we'd be happy to make an ornament. We could just put their name on that. Just to remind you that God is with you and we are with you and your love and grief has been seen by us. Maybe, maybe that's something you want to know. Jesus is king, but he is not an absent king. He is not a tyrant king. He is a present king. And he is a good king who is able to bring to a good and fruitful and beautiful end this messed up universe that we live in. And the elder says, look, it's the Lion of Judah. Come to defeat the enemies of God. And he turns and he sees a lamb. It looked like somebody killed it. And by his blood, from all nations and tribes and tongues, people were made to be citizens of God's kingdom. I just want to say, if, if you're meeting Jesus today, oh, good. He's so glad to meet you. Maybe you're meeting him again, and you'd sort of forgotten who he was. And you need prayer today. I'd love to pray for you. We're going to sing in just a minute. I'd love to pray for you while we do that. Maybe you're meeting Jesus for the first time, and, and you're reckoning with the truth that there is a God, and God has sent his Son to be God in the flesh, to rescue and save and redeem and make possible the future God has intended for all creation. And you need to meet that Jesus. Maybe you need to be baptized today. I got to baptize two people last service, and, and, and when, when a person's baptized, they get to say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then they say, he is my Lord, he's the King, and he is my Savior. Not just any king, but a good king and a present king. And maybe you need to do that today. I, I'd be honored to pray with you about that and help you make that decision if that's what you need to do today. I'm going to pray for us right now and then we're going to sing together. Um, let's pray. Oh God, your Lordship reveals to us the brokenness of the world and the brokenness of our lives 
and we say, yeah, we sort of knew about it. We probably didn't know how, how bad it was, but we had a hunch. Things are pretty messed up. And so we need to meet Jesus today. The one you gave the name, God saves. The one you gave the name, God is with us. Reintroduce us to Jesus today, God. That he might be the king over our lives who is present and who is saving even us. This is our prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.